Is that Michael? Michael! Oh, it's Air Jordan. That's it. Oh. I caught I caught. I did. I did see Michael Jordan. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back with the Black Case Diaries podcast. Hey! Hey! Y'all ready for this? All right. How are you guys doing today? Great. Lovely. I'm Adam. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. We're three old friends who like to talk about movies and learn about them, too. I'm just going (laughs) to paraphrase it for fun. So in the 1990s, there was no bigger star than Michael Jordan. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) He was everywhere and on everything. He was a hero, a god amongst men. The greatest basketball player of all time. Mix that with the iconic image of Bugs Bunny, a killer soundtrack, and a state-of-the-art special effects, and you've got the highest-grossing basketball movie of all time, Space Jam. Yeah. Yes. Everybody get up. It's time to slam now. That's right. Almost 25 years later, Space Jam is still somewhat of a cultural phenomenon. Young adults still wear jerseys from the movie, and parts of the soundtrack are still remixed by fans. Some think the movie was a defining moment of their childhood, while others see it as a mediocre cash grab. Today, we've got a real jam going now. As we look at the history of this Hollywood slam dunk. So we're going to talk a little bit about Space Jam. And we're going to talk about the Looney Tunes a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give the Looney Tunes the full episode treatment right now. But maybe someday we will. Yeah. We've mentioned them quite a few times now. I think it's getting to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though they're still popular today, there was a time when Bugs Bunny was the biggest cartoon character in the world. He was the second animated character to earn a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame and was voted to be America's second favorite character, real or fake, in 1976. He lost to Abraham Lincoln. What? You had to vote for your favorite character, real or imaginary. Gotcha. And the two, the top two were Abraham Lincoln and Bugs Bunny. And Bugs Bunny. Wow. Bugs started appearing in films in the late 1930s, but it wasn't until 1940, in a film called A Wild Hare, did the world meet Bugs Bunny in his full form. Although the idea of a rabbit character originally came from animator Ben Bugs Hardaway, Frizz Felling, Chuck Jones, and Tex Avery are credited with giving Bugs his wise-ass personality. Yeah. So originally there was this cartoon with Daffy Duck and... They, I, I don't. I think it was actually Porky Pig was was shooting at Daffy Duck, <laughs> and uh, they basically took that animation, put Bugs in it instead of Daffy, uh-huh. and uh, he was not really a character yet. He was just a silly bunny, wacky, jumping around, mm-hmm. kind of I like see. every first cartoon character. It's back. all about the movement and like, mm-hmm. oh, look at yeah. this! It's so so silly. Yeah, yeah. Avery was quoted saying. His opening line was, what's up, Doc? It floored him. Here's a guy with a gun in his face. They expected the rabbit to scream or anything but make a casual remark. It got such a laugh that we said, let's use that every chance we get. It became a series of what's up, Docs that set his entire character. He was always in command in the face of all types of dangers. Yeah, Yeah. that's Bugs, all right. I mean, it's just his catchphrase. 
No matter what. I think he might say it in every episode. The final touch for Bugs was Mel Blanc's voice that gave Bugs his trademark street smart attitude. When animator Ben Bugs Hardaway showed Blanc the new drawing, Bugs reportedly said, A tough little stinker, isn't he? Which suddenly gave Blanc the idea of a Brooklyn accent. Aha. Very cool. It fits well. I can't imagine him sounding sounding any any different. Yeah. 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 After gaining a lot of popularity from his first starring film, producer Leon Schlesinger wanted to give the new rabbit a name. The studio almost settled on Happy Rabbit. Imagine! Oh, no. While Tex Avery wants to na- wanted to name him Jack E. Rabbit. Better. Okay. Better. Yeah, closer. Fits his personality more. Yeah. Yeah. A year earlier, when Bugs Hardaway conceived the idea of a rabbit character, cartoonist Charlie Thorson drew up the original design and labeled it Bugs's Bunny. While choosing a name, the drawing resurfaced, and Schlesinger chose Bugs Bunny. Avery was angry because he thought Bunny was too sissy for the character, but the name stuck. Ooh, got him. <coughs> Whatever, dude. Jack yeah. E. Rabbit wouldn't have been nearly as <laughs> big, I think. Yeah, because he's a Jack Rabbit, right? Yeah, Is that yeah. yeah I get it. It, it, like, I get it, it fits. It's nice, but man. Nah. I mean, Bugs yeah. Bunny's iconic at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Over the course of the next 50 years, the Looney Tunes went through many changes, but maintained their place in American culture. Although compilations of their short films made it to the big screen, the characters never got the full-length Hollywood treatment. This was, of course, until 1996, with the premiere of Space Jam. The only other full-length film made with the characters from Looney Tunes is Looney Tunes Back in Action, seven years later. Right, and I guess they made, like, appearances in Mm -hmm. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, this was the first time these characters... Got a whole movie yeah. with mm-hmm. themselves and their plots and things. And from what from what I've gained from all of this in the 90s, which I, I understand, these were not the most popular characters. They were considered to be a little defunct, a little, because they weren't really in the mainstream nearly as much. They yeah. still were. Kids knew who they were. Mm-hmm. But they it wasn't like the level of popularity that they'd had before. And mm-hmm. so now, bringing them back, so Warner Brothers might have been a little hesitant and also they're very protective of the Looney Tunes property <laughs> oh yeah mm-hmm. Michael Jordan's legacy and popularity let's give him a little bit of a uh, talk here yeah, no one knows who Michael Jordan yeah. is so we're gonna have to talk gonna, a little bit about who we're he gonna is. enlighten you a little bit yeah. here we go he, um, he played like baseball I think he did he yeah did. <laughs> over the course of his career with the Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan led the team to a whopping six championships. Three of them were before he took a season off to play minor league baseball in 1993 to 1994 season. And I love that they kind of, (laughs) you know, I guess tease him about it. In the in space they make fun of yes. Yeah. yes yeah like yeah you suck at baseball <laughs> dude. what are you doing in the early 90s Michael Jordan was possibly the biggest star in America he was loved by basketball fans and non basketball fans alike he had brand deals and merchandise all that was missing was a major movie throughout the late 80s and early 90s Michael Jordan and his manager David Falk were often approached for movie roles. 
Falk always turned them down simply because Michael Jordan wasn't an actor, and he didn't think it would be good for his career. He often would tell Jordan that there's only one role for him, the role of Michael Jordan. It's not that often that athletes make the transition. Mm-hmm. I mean, we notice when it happens, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's. I guess it's happened a little bit more often now. Like, The Rock, for example, is the big, like the biggest one right now. Mm-hmm. And he came from wrestling, obviously, but like... I wouldn't I, I don't blame him for being hesitant like you tried baseball you know the so last like, time you branched no. out yeah. mm, <laughs> let's not do that again you tried you gave it a good good shot just you know? sign this for me we're gonna sell some more shoes Michael. Let's, um, let's do that Michael Jordan would play himself in commercials including a commercial that paired him with Mars Blackman played by Spike Lee The campaign was incredibly successful. It showed Spike Lee's character from his debut film, She's Gotta Have It, as a foil to Michael Jordan. Is it the short socks? No, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. What about the shoes? No, Mars. One of the minds behind this ad was Jim Riswold. He wanted to make another similar ad with one of his favorite characters of all time. Who? Bugs Bunny, of course. Yeah. Hair Jordan took about six months to shoot and was an incredibly popular Super Bowl ad. It featured Bugs and Jordan teaming up to face a group of baddies on the basketball court. It ends with Bugs quipping that this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And you know what? He was right. There was another Hair Jordan commercial soon after that, and Jordan's manager thought of a feature film that he just couldn't turn down. Hmm, I wonder what feature film that so could it's be. It's all about hmm. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's all about it's all about the brand deals and the merchandise. <laughs> Always. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but I'm happy. So let's let's talk about the movie now, shall we? So Space Jam introduces us to Swack Hammer. The owner of an amusement park planet called Moron Mountain. (laughs) He is desperate to get new attractions, and he decides that the Looney Tune characters would be perfect. He sends his underlings, the Nerdlux, to bring them to him, whether they come willingly or not. Bugs Bunny and the gang tricks them into agreeing to a competition to decide the Toon's freedom. Taking advantage of their puny and stubby-legged foes, They select basketball as the surest chance of winning. Obviously, that makes sense. These little short guys, they can't play basketball. However, using alien technology, the Nerdlux turn the tables and steal the talent of leading professional basketball stars to become the massive basketball bruisers known as the Monstars. Yeah. Those little pipsqueaks just turned into superstars. They're monsters. Suffering suck attack. They're monsters! In desperation, Bugs Bunny calls on the aid of the recently retired Michael Jordan to give them a chance at winning their freedom. And I wanted to point out real quick, I say recently retired Michael Jordan from basketball. Because if you remember the movie, he quits basketball because he wants to play baseball. Yes. Like a (laughs) dum-dum. You may find this hard to believe, but... Not everyone thought this was a great idea. 
<sighs> when David Falk pitched the idea to Warner Brothers, they turned it down. He then called the Consumer Products Division and told Dan Romanelli, who said, That's impossible. How can you not do something with Michael Jordan? Seriously. So, so he For knew real. what to do. This guy knew what to do. He was turned down and he said, Hmm, interesting. I think I know who would be interested in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he went to the part that creates the merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, Yes. I'm sorry. Um, yeah? <laughs> we can make new plushies. We can make water yeah, bottles. It would be we can so make sneakers. Easy. Yeah. They were like, oh, are you kidding? Jerseys and posters and all of the I Anything. Mean, and you, they don't even have to change the characters. They just literally <laughs> put a jersey on them. They're yes. like, how? How can I do seven of these movies? <laughs> <laughs> the reasoning, though, for Warner Brothers was kind of fair. Bugs Bunny is a valuable part of their brand, and they didn't want to change him or use him unless there was a very good reason. Money, obviously, was a good enough reason for them uh-huh. to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Romanelli brought the idea to Lucy Fisher, an executive vice president for, of production, and she believed in the idea enough to fight for it. Her argument for the film was based on the fact that she herself was not a basketball fan, but a Michael Jordan fan. She knew that a film like this could bring in viewers whether they liked basketball or not. Her enthusiasm was enough to get the film greenlit by the chief executive. That was perfect. She had a perfect, you know, Mm -hmm. reason for it. Yeah. It's like, I mean. She's like, okay, okay. You might not like basketball. Yeah. But you like Michael Jordan. Yeah. He's, He's a nice guy. He's got a good sense of humor. Ivan Reitman signed on to produce the film, and his team developed the idea of Michael Jordan helping the Looney Tunes characters win a basketball game. That there, I think, is what what made the movie work. Not just because Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes just a fun pair, right? But the fact that it was about basketball made it easy. Mm -hmm. Why would you put Michael Jordan in it unless it was a basketball movie, right? Right. And the fact that it was made it easy. Like, oh, of course Michael Jordan is the guy you go (laughs) to get help. He's the best. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's so smart to do it this way. Especially because they'd done those commercials and those worked. Exactly. It's like, okay, well, we have to have him play basketball with the characters. Reitman is known for producing big comedies like National Lampoon's Animal House and Ghostbusters, if you guys have heard his name before. Yeah. And that would also explain why Bill Murray is in this movie. <laughs> the studio brought in Joe Pitka, the man who directed the two Hair Jordan commercials. He was known for directing commercials and music videos, and initially he turned down the job of the commercials. He thought that Bugs Bunny was too outdated, and his team fought with Warner Brothers for months about updating the character's design. Oof. Yeah. Although he admits now that he thought Space Jam was a silly idea, he agreed to work on the film. Pitka faced a lot of hurdles with the film. For example, he wanted Spike Lee to refine the script for him, but Warner Brothers said no. Spike Lee actually reached out and said, hey, I'll do that for you. Aww. And uh, he, he asked Warner Brothers, and they did not, did not want Spike Lee to do it. Because Spike Lee wow. had done a movie with Warner Brothers recently, and they didn't get along very well. So. Oh, no. According to Pitka, he also wanted to cast Michael J. Fox or Chevy Chase as Stanley, Jordan's publicist, in the film. But the studio said no. Other sources say that Jason Alexander also turned down the role. My goodness. Uh, I read, wow. actually, that 
I a lot of places were saying that all those actors turned down the role, mm-hmm. but Pitka himself said that he that the studio said no to those people wow, playing that's... the part. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Beyond that, he had a difficult time finding actors for the minor roles because it seemed that no one wanted to be in a movie with an athlete and a cartoon character. Ah. Come on. Isn't that crazy? Well, and you think about it, these are if you pick someone who's kind of a refined actor and it's like it's going to be really grueling, there's lots of green screen work, wow, you know, yeah. and then you know you're working with a non-actor, that could be a challenge. Man, I couldn't even begin to turn that kind of yeah. stuff down. Man. I just I think they heard the they heard it mm. and they thought that sounds cheesy and dumb and a cash grab and it could hurt my career. Yeah, I mm-hmm. guess that's it true could be too. a total flop. Michael Jordan could be so bad at acting that nobody likes it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I guess that's yeah, any number of reasons, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just as the movie was getting started, Jordan announced his retirement and plans to play baseball. <laughs> Although this seemed to be a complication, the producers decided to write it into the script. It had become a plot point, and the film seemed to explain Michael's retirement. He had to stop what he was doing and save the Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he stopped playing baseball. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Bugs. <laughs> the script had a scene where the umpire would call all the pitches balls when Jordan was at the plate. When Jordan read the script... He told them that something very similar actually happened to him in real life. Whoa. That a catcher gave him all the signs, and he struck out anyway. He he told Pika at the time, because Pika had told Ivan Reitman about the idea of having the umpire call all balls. And Reitman, Ivan Reitman was like, oh, that's, that's not, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. Yeah. An umpire doesn't care. An umpire. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael was like, oh no, I've, I've had something worse happen to me. Like. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like the umpire would probably get in more trouble. Yeah. If he found out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And so that's why in the movie, they actually put this scene in the movie. The exact scene. Where the catcher is like, hey man. Thanks for signing that basketball. I'm a hero. And then they, she's yeah. like, okay, so this is going to, don't, don't swing. Don't swing yeah, at the ball. Swing. You know, that was a real thing that happened to him. Somebody. Yeah. Was- <laughs> wow. And it's, so it's just so amazing that he's able to laugh about it. He's able to be like, no, yeah, you can put that in there. I mean, it's yeah. whatever. It happened like, to it me. Happened. <laughs> wow. That's so strange. Yeah. While filming, Michael Jordan also needed to train for his comeback season to the Bulls. Warner Brothers built him a gym as part of his contract. He would practice between shoots and brought in players from the area to come play games with him. He would even play one-on-one with the director. Actors from the studio gathered around to watch his games, and producers were blown away by his dedication. They called the gym the Jordan Dome. That's super cool. Yeah. Nice little piece of contract. <laughs> I know. They said it was incredibly expensive. Oh, boy. I'm Lots curious. of air conditioning. It was like the summer of 95, they said, or something. Yeah. And when he came back, after filming Space Jam and went back into went back into basketball, they won the championship. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's all you got to do is just uh, yeah, hard work. Yeah. And <laughs> The biggest challenge of the movie was the mixture of live action and animation. It had been done before a few years earlier with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but even Robert Zemeckis, who directed Who Framed Roger Rabbit, told producers that it was the hardest thing that he had ever done and that he would never do it again. Oh, 
Wow. That's unfortunate. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It is I so mean, good. Yeah, it Roger is. Rabbit's a very good movie. But that is what they, that's why they called in Joe Pitka, because they were mm-hmm. like, okay, we need to find somebody who will agree to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this he, guy's done some commercials. Yeah, since he'd done the commercials, I said, okay, he's got experience doing it. Animation and computer graphics aside, Pitka had to take a non-actor leading man and get him to react to pieces of tape on a green wall for most of the film's runtime. This would be a challenge for any actor, much less someone who has never acted before. So the studio brought in a group of comedic actors from the Groundlings acting troupe and dressed them in green suits, including some seven-foot-tall basketball players acting as the Monstars. That's... That's awesome. That, I, cool. <laughs> that would make it so much better. <laughs> at least you have something to act to. Yeah, something to do. Something, yeah. Somebody to look at, somebody to bounce off of. Yeah, like somebody you can get reactions from and yeah. kind of back and forth. According to its website, which still exists in its original form, Space Jam combined more traditional animation, computer graphics, and live action than any other film. Eat your heart out, Avatar. (laughs) (laughs) At the time. (laughs) Although combining live action animation dates back to the very first animated films, which we've talked about before on this show, like the humorous phases of Funny Faces or Gertie the Dinosaur. Uh Uh-huh. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the first full-length feature to do it. The animation was produced through Warner Brothers Feature Animation, directed by Bruce Smith and Tony Cervone. The effects were produced by Cinesite, the company founded by Ed Jones. Jones is the one who won the Oscar for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Ah, very nice. Yeah, for his special effects. Man, it's all coming together. Yeah. Tony Cervone was quoted on the Space Jam website saying, Roger Rabbit was the vinyl LP... And Space Jam is the compact disc. Uh-huh, and I see. really like that comparison because it's very true mm-hmm. in kind of all ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at these two movies, one of them is kind of hailed as a classic, and the other one is kind of hailed as popular. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one you can take everywhere. With yeah, you. yeah, yeah. And it's kind of how vinyl has kind of really stuck around and mm-hmm. will always have a classic sound and a classic look. And feeling to it were were CDs, yep, shinier, you know. Yeah, they're they're flashier. Fun. The film used traditional animation that was then colored using the computer, and the live action footage was also put in the computer along with any three D aspects of the film, because of because all of it could be put together in the digital space. Each individual piece was modified in brightness, color, and texture, so it all fit together seamlessly. You know, that's one thing I'll say about Space Jam over Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They did a really great job of coloring the characters of Roger Rabbit to look, to like emulate the lighting of the scene and stuff like that. But with the help of the computers and modifying even the live action footage, it like took it to that next yeah. level, mm-hmm. you know, where it they really do fit especially in the in the basketball scene the game with the really bright lights yeah and the court it's just somehow somehow it all fits yeah it's awesome because michael jordan is just in this tune world yeah Yeah. it feels so real yeah it does it doesn't feel like you're watching a cartoon Mm -hmm. yeah warner brothers recruited other studios of artists to help them with the tradition with the traditional parts of the animation for the crowd during the basketball game 
it was impossible to create as many cartoon characters as they needed. At first, they started to duplicate characters and change their colors, which makes me want to pause the movie and look through the crowd. I know. (laughs) When that wasn't enough, they would have real people stand in with animated heads and brightly colored outfits. This way, they could change the model for each one so they all appeared different for the scene. Interesting. Yeah. I, Man, I got to look at the crowd for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you think that would be such a simple throwaway thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's the crowd in the background. Nobody's mm-hmm. paying attention, yeah. right? Yeah. Put put your recognizable ones up front mm-hmm. and put them kind of like most noticeable, light them up, right? And then the rest don't, you know, yeah. whatever. But that's that's cool that they went that level to, to make sure that there weren't any yeah. duplicate characters. It's always interesting how they do crowds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every every everyone's gotta do it a different way yeah you, know, you think of star wars where they just what they use the little um ear cleaners or whatever and painted <laughs> them and then had like a fan blowing yeah. underneath to make them go up and down what uh, and... <laughs> oh you, you didn't I know had no this? idea yeah yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and and this is just amazing go. that they took the time to yeah. just like. I mean, that's ingenious, but yes, but yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shoot, nowadays it's so it's so much easier with the computer. Like yeah. World War Z is an example I always think of because of the amount of zombies and the whole idea of them sp- stacking up on each other. They get over the walls and yeah. stuff like that. That's all computer stuff, like simulated mm-hmm. animation, basically. And it's right. like, man all those old animators looking at that going, man, I want to make Space Jam in this century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it would be so much easier, but it wouldn't have the it wouldn't have the charm. Mm-hmm. In order to track all of Michael Jordan's sweet, sweet moves, Marcy wrote that line. Yes. <laughs> sweet, sweet. And I mean it. Like, come on. <laughs> in order to track all of Michael Jordan's sweet, sweet moves in the court, they filmed in a completely green-walled and floored room, except for the hoop, and the backboard. The only other thing in there was a definite pattern of red balls and dots formed into a square grid. I I wish I could like see that. I want to see that set in real life because I'm I'm always curious as to how big it needs to be. Yeah. Right? Cuz if there if it's only the hoop and in backboard and some, you know, markers to to kind of give it space, I guess. How much of that do they need, right? If they were doing a big, big set and they need a bunch of people out there like they do in kind of Avengers and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I know that it, they're pretty big. It's all green, but it's still pretty big. Yeah. For this, I'm wondering if they could have done it in like, you know. It, I think it was kind of like the size of a basketball court. Yeah, I think so too. I guess that would make Because he has sense. to be able to He move. had to run and move yeah, around like he was true. playing basketball. Yeah. At times, the green actors would pass in front of Michael while he played. This wasn't an issue at first, as they wanted to capture the spontaneity of Jordan's movements. After watching the film, filmmakers realized that Michael would disappear when that happened. (laughs) So they would add animated characters to those scenes to hide the problems. I... Oh, that's interesting because I figured that's <laughs> what they were planning to do. Yeah, that was to, the sudden thing that they to make them, f- to, you know, to make him fit in the world. They'd have to put animation in front of him for a second. Yeah, that's funny that it's a like a mistake. <laughs> like, a, like an afterthought. Yeah. Like, oh, like, oh shit, yeah. we better we better make this more realistic. Yeah, like a Tweety Bird's yeah. flying in front of him for yep. this scene, and like, you know, yeah, yeah. huh? <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> 
Animators were also on set to watch the green screen action. When scenes were improvised with Bill Murray and Michael Jordan, they would print out a still of the scene and draw in where the animation would be placed for reference. There was a lot of spontaneity going on. They wanted to just kind of capture Michael Jordan just doing his thing. Mm -hmm. And so when they would, (laughs) when they would do something off script or that just, you know, wasn't planned at all, the animators would be like, okay, so when he does that, um, Sylvester's over here, and, you know, then mm. they add, you know, where all the characters wow. were. Do quick little, wow. Yeah, they'd print it on the scene. This it's actress amazing. would walk off set, and they would already have a still with the little animations Where on everything it. is. Yeah, that's, they were so quick. That's super cool. Yeah. The animators stored Michael Jordan's digital image in the computer, making it possible to manipulate him just as much as the animated characters for certain scenes. They used this for the scene in which he gets sucked down the golf hole, and when he's smashed into a basketball and thrown through a hoop. And yet they could stretch him and move him just like they were moving the animated characters. Wow. Nice. So, next we have starring. I mean, who is alongside Michael Jordan? We'll start with the voice actors here. They were actually all recorded separately. This was partly because a lot of them would play more than one character. And it took teams of voice actors to get the voices of all the characters that Mel Blanc had voiced in his career. (laughs) Yeah, he did so many of them. (laughs) Yeah. The man of a thousand voices. Yeah, it's amazing. First, we have Kath Susie as Lola Bunny. Don't ever call me doll. Yeah, and this is the first time we ever met Lola Bunny. Yeah. Yeah, so if you like Space Jam for anything, it's the introduction of this character. Yeah, and she became a staple yeah. after that. She's now, and she's like yeah. an official Looney Tune at this mm-hmm. point. I thought she was so cool. I was like, oh yeah, she, yeah. Oh, yeah. she yeah. was. She didn't take any nonsense from nobody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And probably a lot of people's, a lot of kids' first, <laughs> <laughs> you know, animated crushes. <laughs> they happen. We've all been there. Well, you know, they play the sexy music when she walks on the court I mean, and everything. Yeah. And, and then Bugs does the ooga mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. that all the, all cartoon characters yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Classic thing, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's like a Betty Boop thing yeah. back in the <laughs> yeah. day, right? Yeah. She's also kind of like the kid version of Roger Jessica Rabbit. Rabbit. Hey. Oh, Jessica hey, she Rabbit. She totally is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's the, yeah. the, the kid version, the more yeah. PC. They definitely <laughs> pulled that from Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I think she was a worthwhile addition, mm-hmm. um, not only for Space Jam, but going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. It's nice to have a character like her for Bugs to deal with. Yeah. Not, not always a love interest, but, you know, yeah. I think it still yeah. works. And Kath Susie is a great voice actress. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's the voice of Phil and Lil on the Rugrats. Mm-hmm. She did thousands of voices for Futurama. I think every time <laughs> I watch Futurama, I go, oh, there it's, she is again. Yeah, yep. you just hear yep. her all over. Yeah, she's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Then we have Billy West did Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Eh, what's up, Doc? Billy West. Yeah. My man. Yeah. He was the voice of Doug. He was the voice of Fry. But, yeah, I really like Billy West because I can hear his spoken voice in all of his characters <laughs> just a tiny bit. Yeah. The one that I can't hear it in is Zoidberg. Oh, Actually, yeah. Over too, and that's like, wow, that yeah. one is amazing. How yeah. You do that? 
His voice is unique, though, and it mm-hmm. makes sense that mm-hmm. he would kind of keep a little bit of his voice in his characters because, oh, yeah. you know, it's kind of like a little footprint, I guess. Yeah. Calling card. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Call- yeah. Next, we have Bill Farmer, who did Foghorn Leghorn, Yosemite Sam, and Sylvester. Talk about a trifecta of characters right there, man. <laughs> yes. I love all three of those characters to death. What's wrong with all of you? I say we get a ladder, wait till the old lady's out of the room, then grab that little bird. And Bill Farmer is the voice of Goofy. Yeah. Yeah. So when you hear him, sometimes you'll... Sylvester, I think, is the one where you hear Goofy the most yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. in this movie. Because I was watching it and I thought, oh, yep, you can <laughs> really hear is. him. <laughs> yeah. Bob Bergen as Tweety, Marvin the Martian, and Porky Pig. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, your airiness, but if you don't find a fifth player, your team will forfeit the game. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to say it every time. Just so yeah. good, man. I was about to say, you guys are just gushing. Just kill it, like... We, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I. These people are really, really talented. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then an unmistakable voice, <laughs> as some people have said, Danny DeVito as Swackhammer. This is the kind of the one that's, he's not really a voice actor per se. He, you know, he's more yes. just an actor in general. But man, it's so good. The voice is perfect for the character. Perfect, yeah. And I think they just specifically asked him, mm-hmm. you know, they, they thought, saw the character and they thought of him and... Yeah. But we were watching this, some of the special features, and and we got to see him in the studio. <laughs> oh, great! You know, doing nice. some of the voices and stuff. And you got Ivan Reitman was like, "Oh my gosh! Like that was so good. You're such a legend!" Like he was like Academy Award, Academy Award, <laughs> first yeah. Space Jam. He, so yeah, I know, he was I know. so happy to have Danny DeVito in the studio doing yeah. this voice. Don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. Next, we have uh, another favorite of Robin's, at least. D. Bradley Baker. I'd say he's a favorite of all of Actually, ours. Yeah, Marcia. honestly. Yeah. Yeah, Adam's like, I love D. Bradley Baker, too. <laughs> he's like, yeah. don't leave me out. Yeah. I got a crush. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> I think he does great animal voices. <laughs> he did uh, Daffy Duck and Tasmanian Devil in this and as such are the exclusive property and trademark of Warner Brothers, Inc. Probably, at least, if he's not the best, he's one of the best yeah. voice actors working today. Mm-hmm. He's, he can make, I mean, I, he's otherworldly. I don't, yeah. I watch mm-hmm. him do animal noises and I don't know how he does it. He's incredible. And, you know, like, even him doing things like crickets or, and, you know, he voiced yeah, Appa. Yeah, yeah. Momo and a whole horde of other animals. Yeah. yeah. And he also does some voice acting, like, character voice acting, too, and none of those sound the same. And I think, you know, what my favorite is Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. He, you know, oh, yeah. he hung out in the head and he moved the mouth and he yeah. did the voice. Oh, man, that would have been a fun one. Yeah. But, yeah, so Dee Bradley Baker is, he's a big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should look him up, watch a video where he does some of these. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Next, we have Frank Welker as Charlie Dog. Of course. Yes. Yeah. So he he did the, the real life dog, too, and... 
they, they he did that because the dog was just too sweet in real life and <laughs> they needed a voice actor to make him sound a little bit meaner. <laughs> so that little pug yeah the, the, little, the charles the little, barkley pug yeah that came after like grabbed the <laughs> his shorts and stuff and Aww. yeah they had to they had to have him come <laughs> in and do some some mean dog voices Next, we have a, a big one here, mm. one of our favorites, June Foray as Granny and Witch Hazel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a cheerleader. Yeah, and we've talked about June Foray before, and we yeah. might talk about her again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Mark your calendars oh, yeah. or something. We won't say anything about her right now, because, no. you know, we got to save it up. Wink. Yes. <laughs> but, so... Although she plays these small parts in this, in the commentary on the DVD, Dee Bradley Baker and Billy West, they praised her a lot. They gushed about her. They called her a legend and saying they were in love with her. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, they couldn't help it. I mean, she's yeah. a, she's she is. Yes. She's a legend. Uh, she was at the time of this movie doing also doing voices for the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie that was coming up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She worked up until her death. Yeah, voicing Rocky. It's, it's incredible, <laughs> and 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 it was still perfect. Yeah, like yeah. I don't. I mean, everyone's voice changes over the course of their life, right? Not hers. How, man? <laughs> How? Just, not at all. That was her superpower. <laughs> yeah, and we have Maurice Lamarche as Pepe Le Pew. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Classic. <laughs> And then we have the voices of the Nerd Lux and their Monstar counterparts are Colleen Wainwright, T.K. Carter, Jocelyn Blue, Darnell Suttles, Charity James, Steve Kahala, June Melby, Joey Kamen, Catherine Reitman, and Dorian Harewood. And T.K. Carter is actually an actor, too, that they brought in to help Michael Jordan learn his lines. Oh, that's to make awesome. it more comfortable Sweet. and yeah, yeah. um i love the nerd looks they're so silly um i actually really like them when they're not monsters yeah just because yeah they are cute just their little their little attitudes mm-hmm. even though they're the tiniest little aliens in the world <laughs> with like huge feet still somehow yep. but i love them so much <laughs> Now we'll move on to the live action actors. All right. Which, of Ooh. course, I mean, Michael Jordan. What? He's in this? Yeah, oh, I know. I can't Who believe it. <laughs> Brandon Hammond as the young Michael Jordan. And then the famous basketball players that have their talent stolen are Charles Barkley, Sean Bradley, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, and Muggsy Bogues. I always think it's hilarious because Charles Barkley specifically is still very much involved in basketball. Mm-hmm. He's on TV and yeah, all that stuff. There's a lot of commentary. And every time I see him in this movie, I'm just like, what? Charles <laughs> Barkley's in this movie too? Like I, it's just so funny is, thinking about where he is now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it blows me away still watching it because I'm like, these guys, there's so many... They're so talented, yeah. mm-hmm. and they didn't just get one big superstar. Like they got no, they quite got a few yeah. of them. Yeah, and I, I just I'm so impressed. Mm-hmm. Then we have Larry Bird, which Larry Bird was also in a commercial oh. that was that was directed by Joe Pitka and stuff. Then we have Teresa Randall as Juanita Jordan, and then as 
As Michael's kids, we have Penny Bay Bridges, Manor Washington, and Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon. And then we also have Bill Murray. Yay! Yay. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture! Hey! Perhaps I could be of some assistance. If you didn't think we were going to talk about Bill Murray in this movie, you're I crazy. Mean, yeah, absolutely <laughs> insane. Yeah. So Bill Murray had only been contracted to actually be in that golf scene. But when he shot that scene, he had such a good time and was able to be his spontaneous self with this new technology. He was always afraid to do too much with technology because it was harder to go off script. They had to be a little bit more rigid usually. But this new technology helped him agree to be in more of the film. Yeah. And it's crazy to me with Bill Murray being such a big sports fan. Yeah. And, you know, they weren't even certain that he would be in the movie because he's notoriously elusive. (laughs) So they'll say, okay, hey, Bill Murray, you want to be in this? And up until days before the shoot, they won't know if he said yes or not. And they, they said that they had a backup plan because <laughs> oh they, they didn't know if he would actually show up for the shoot or not because that's just who Bill Murray is. Wow. wow. And, yeah, so he came to the golf part, and like you said, Joe Pitka convinced him to do more of the movie, which is great. Yeah. Because I really feel like he, honestly, he rounds out those scenes really well. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny to me the idea that he wasn't sure he was going to do it. And then he shows up and he's like, I love this. <laughs> like, this and then, awesome. yeah, and then he just hangs out <laughs> and just gets to do the rest of the movie just because he knows the producer, just because That's he's crazy, Bill Murray. Man. He just yeah. gets to be just there. Because. That's amazing. We have a couple little special appearances. We have Dan Castellaneta <laughs> as a male fan that sits uh, next to the, the little monsters, but the nerd lux, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, if anybody doesn't remember, he often does Homer Simpson's voice. And then we have Patricia Heaton as the female fan. And she's also Frankie Heck in the middle. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So she's she's kind of a pretty well-known sitcom personality. Yeah. And then our last one is Wayne Knight. Yay. Yeah, Woo. Wayne. I love him so much. Uh, yeah. Let me help. Let me help. I can help. I can help. Let me help. What can you do? Well, you know what I mean. I may not be very tall, but I'm slow and large and a dork. I'll do anything, Michael. Everybody says that, like, oh, he's Newman and he's annoying. He's just trying not to get fired. Whatever. Nobody wanted this role, okay? Like, nobody (laughs) wanted to play this character. And so (laughs) he did it. And I think he honestly... For, like, the the sniveling, bumbling, you know, guy. I mean, you really do kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. In this in this movie. And, like, he tried yeah, to help. He, he was, did. like, he, he was, like, on the bench yeah. for ages. He's, like, finally, I get to go in. I'm going to show them yes. how it's done. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> bumbling around. And, and then he gets flattened, unfortunately. Yeah. I but, mean, honestly, he's kind of the unsung hero on saving the talent 
of the basketball players because he's the one that finds out that for sure the Monstars That's stole true. the yeah. talent. That's true. And if he hadn't found that out, Michael Jordan couldn't. Jordan couldn't be like, "Hey, yeah. let's make a new deal." Yeah, he adds to the adds the yeah. stakes because he realizes that they need he needs to get his friend's powers back. back. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So honestly, yeah. Yes. Newman is annoying. Okay, and but, but wait, he's but su- he's supposed to be annoying in that yeah. in that show. Mm-hmm. But Stanley, you know, yeah, he's just a guy, man. He's just mm-hmm. trying to hold on to his job. Yeah. In that scene where he lists all of Michael Jordan's product placement oh is gosh. so funny. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the music we were <laughs> grooving to at the beginning of yes. this a little bit. But let's let's talk about it. James Newton Howard wrote the score for this movie, which is pretty cool. Yeah, James Newton Howard is a really good composer. He's probably the best three-name composer that there is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. It's because of this movie. Yeah. No, he... He scored Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and Treasure Planet in in the 2000s. And it goes so well with a movie like this. Um, Yeah. You know, despite the real 90s heavy stuff that we'll talk about in a second, (laughs) it fits well with the Looney Tunes because they need, they still need a score to pull the movie together, right? To glue it together. But this kind of uplifting kind of sound really works for the cartoon characters. Yeah. Right? So... But alongside the film, an additional album was released called Space Jam, music from and inspired by the motion picture. (laughs) And these are the songs that are heavily 90s. (laughs) And it's great to listen to. Yeah, talk about like platinum hits. I mean, from this. I mean, for real. So we'll just go down the track list because you got to hear them. The first one is Fly Like an Eagle. Yeah. Ugh, I could just. They played it. I remember vividly. They used it in a Winter Olympics. <laughs> I don't know which year it was, but I remember watching the Winter Olympics and they were using it for skiing because they were Makes doing sense. like ski jumping and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, haha, fly like an eagle. That's from Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the winner and then the title. Space Jam. I, I mean, Ooh. this song is incredible. Get up yeah. and jam, slam. It's so it's such a good song. You cannot yeah. listen to this yeah. and not dance. Yeah. This oh. is what do they say? It slaps. Yeah. Oh, oh, is yeah. that what the kids are saying? I, I believe that's what the kids are saying. <laughs> the, the beginning of this movie make, is my favorite part of the movie, and it makes me so happy. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's cute with his dad and all, but then like when he like goes to the basket, and then they. Mm-hmm. They do like the song and the montage. Yeah, it's like, just this. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Gets like, you real hype. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so good. And then Hit 'em High is one they came up with after the movie, uh, where the monsters kind of get to do a rap about how cool and bad they are. Oh shit! And it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. They seem so mean. In the song, if you hadn't seen the movie before, you'd be like, "Oh goodness, yeah, these guys are these these are these are some bad guys." Yeah, we've got. I found my smile again. For you, I will, upside down, giving you all that I've got. Basketball Jones, <laughs> <laughs> which I can hear in my head now. <laughs> I turn to you, all of my days. That's the way. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) 
and Buggin. Buggin. Buggin was a, was a rap written by Jay-Z. Uh-huh. And performed. And performed by Bugs. Bugs, yes. Bugs old bunny. Yeah, played by <laughs> Billy West. Uh-huh. And it's it's like <laughs> it's like weirdly good. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, some some might think it's hard to listen to, but like how is it how is it as good as it is? Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. being performed right. by Bugs Bunny. But yes, the last one I wanted to mention, I Moved it to its own little spot. The worldwide hit, I Believe I Can Fly mm. by R. Kelly. And it was actually first released on this Space Jam yeah. soundtrack. Right. Wow. R. Kelly, obviously. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? Bad guy. Bad guy, obviously. But <laughs> it was everywhere. Yeah, it was Everyone huge. knew the words to it. And, and this movie and these pieces of music, these songs, especially Fly Like an Eagle and Space Jam, for sure, Along mm-hmm. with, I believe I can fly. Introduced people to R and B that didn't yeah. listen to R and B. Yeah. So it it did kind of bring all of that a little bit more into the mainstream too. Mm-hmm. So and also again, Jay Z got to write a track on this. Yeah. Even though he yeah. wasn't really known at the time. So. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. I mean, it's really what made him famous. Let's be honest. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna bring it back real quick. To the reviews. Yeah. Hooray. How was this film received? Tens all across of the course, board. Of course, of course. Four stars. Yeah. Not, four, five not stars. a bad review in sight. That's right. right. The movie was panned by critics. Oh. oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Except for one notable name, Roger Ebert. Oh. He said, Space Jam is a happy marriage of good ideas. Three films for the price of one. Giving us a comic treatment of the career adventures of Michael Jordan, crossed with a Looney Tune cartoon, and some showbiz warfare. It entertains kids at one level while giving their parents a lot to smile at, too. Aww. How nice. What a nice review. Yes. Yeah. Now I've got 40 negative reviews. Uh. Just review. <laughs> Read each one. Give it its time. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, my. But, yes, oh there boy. were a lot of negative negative reviews. Yeah. <laughs> In recent years, critics have blamed the lasting popularity of the movie on nostalgia and all the nostalgia fuel and oh. nostalgia junkies that we have here in the in in our time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the film made two hundred and thirty million dollars worldwide and ninety million dollars domestically. It created a billion dollars worth of retail sales, and a sequel is now in development. So, if you look at popular opinion. This movie was and is the jam. Oh yeah, yeah, baby. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All those critics can, can, can eat it. Eat it. That's right. You know, it's definitely true that nostalgia plays a huge part in this movie, especially to us who saw it as kids. And I do not doubt that that is why <laughs> Space Jam Two is now happening. Oh, absolutely. That oh, is yeah. totally a nostalgia. One hundred and ten percent. Yeah, there were a lot of times though when people thought of Space Jam Two. Mm-hmm. You know, Warner Brothers even tried to write up a Space Jam Two with Michael Jordan because they mm-hmm. thought they were wrong. They thought <laughs> that Michael Jordan was interested in Space Jam Two, and uh. he was not at all. And so they even wrote up like a villain that they had, and Mel Brooks was going to play him. Oh and, wow! Yeah, I mean, it was going to be a big old thing. So it's actually happened a few times where they've tried to do a Space Jam 2. So the fact that they're mm. actually doing it is 
kind of amazing. Yeah, I think for real this time, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's it's got the name mm-hmm. now, A New Legacy, right? Yeah. So, to be released in the summer of 2021, it is set to star LeBron James with music by Hans Zimmer, which is pretty dope. Yeah. At least, if there's but any one thing. James Newton Howard! It's yeah. true. They dropped him for Hans Zimmer. That's so sad. That is true. That is true. Uh-uh. Supposedly, all of the live-action sequences have been shot, which is why the release date has not been set back, which is good news. Yeah. Malcolm D. Lee, known for the movie Girls Trip, is directing. Alongside LeBron will be Sonequa Martin-Green. She has starred in things like Star Trek, Into Darkness, and The Walking Dead. Oh, nice. Oh, that's going to be a good one. As his wife. Cool. Very interesting. So I wonder how big of a role she'll have in this story. Hopefully a bigger one she than the last to, wife. Yeah. True. Yeah. Does she get to go to Toon Land, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Or maybe the maybe the Looney Tunes will come to the real world. Whoa. <laughs> and Don Cheadle will be the villain. Interesting. That is an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. Not many basketball players have been revealed yet, but the ones listed online are Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis, some other super talented basketball players, of course. The voice actors listed are Kath Susie and Eric Buza. All right, so Kat yeah. Susie's coming back as Lola Bunny. That's right. I'm assuming. That's what she it thinks. has yeah. to be Lola Bunny. I mean, right? Yeah. I wonder what they're going to do, specifically if they're going to change Lola Bunny at all. Are they mm-hmm. going to make her less of a Jessica Rabbit type? Mm. Probably. Yeah. And that's okay. It's just as long as she still has her not taking shit attitude, yeah. which I assume Don't she'll call keep. call her doll. Exactly. Yeah. I hope they do. I'd, I'd like to see that callback happen. Mm-hmm. Even though people don't really say doll anymore. Right, right. I guess they yeah. But in the 1940s when Bugs Bunny was yeah. created, they totally did. I was going to say yeah. they didn't in the 90s either, so yeah. <laughs> they just did it as a joke. So it'll still work. But for me specifically, I am in two worlds about this movie because I really like the original Space Jam. I, on one hand, would rather it not happen just because it, you know, who knows how it will affect the overall perspective or the overall picture of the space jam name right if it's not good i'm gonna be like oh no space jam as a whole is tarnished right Mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm really excited for the looney tunes to have a something yeah that's big right because like i said the show the newer show i wasn't the biggest fan of i still love the old cartoons back in action was just there yeah and I am excited to see them do something new, but, you know, yeah. so I have to wait and see. I know that I have to look at it from the perspective of, you know, okay, first Space Jam, not the greatest movie in the, in the entire universe, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So don't expect fa- fantabulous acting. Don't right. don't no. expect you know you yeah. have to you have to be kind of and you also have to think about the updates from the nineties too mm-hmm. and what they might change based on that because they're gonna want to do the most state of the art yeah things mm-hmm. that they can do and mm-hmm. I, I, CGI sometimes is not my favorite so mm-hmm. you know oh. we can see. I'm not sure what they'll do exactly, but hopefully it's more like the original Space Jam and not like Sonic or... Oh, no. I didn't even consider that. Oh, Robin. I'm sorry. You've made me a lot more worried about this movie Um, now. But LeBron James is a... Honestly, from all I know, is a really nice guy. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he donates his money. He's you know he's mm-hmm. got all kinds of charities and stuff, and like yeah. he's a good player. He gave Cleveland a championship. Yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, like he he's a great guy, you know. So he's a lovable person. Yeah, you know, I love the Looney Tunes. Yeah. What do you guys think the the name means? A new legacy. It could be something to do. I think maybe with the Looney Tunes specifically, yeah. mm. saying like a new legacy, maybe. Hinting at new Looney Tunes things happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think they could have just called it, like, I th- I kind of wish they went a little sillier with it. Yeah. Like, either yeah. just leave it at Space Jam 2 or do something like Electric yeah. Boogaloo. Yeah. Or, yeah. like, the jamming. The yeah. jamming. Yeah. 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 Oh or, my like, gosh. Um, yeah. Space With extra Jammer. jam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything. It's, like... Space Jam 2, come on and slam. Like, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Anything goofier would have been pretty That's great, true. But, it know, sounds too serious. It a is new, a little right? serious. A new legacy. Yeah. It sounds like a Star Wars it, type. It, it honestly yeah. sounds like a subtitle. Not catchphrase isn't the right oh, word. Like a, a tagline. Tagline. Tag mm-hmm. I thought of it as soon as you said it. <laughs> it's a, Yeah. It's like Space Jam 2. The... A new legacy. Yeah. And you know what? I hope some really good music comes out of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I hope there's like a really oh, great remix of the song, and I th- I think you know they add some really great music to it. I think oh. it, I think that'll be cool. And yeah, I'm I mean I'm not like super excited Stoked, for it. Stoked, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I think that it's gonna be entertaining as hell. Yeah, it'll be fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I I really hope like if they don't use the Space Jam theme like <laughs> again, they could they don't even have to remix it. Just play it again. Yeah. Just do another opening montage. They've got to do that. They'll, they'll update it somehow. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. But if I would be amazed if they they want to do like that that thing that's happening in, in movies right now. Like the example I always think of is the Jurassic Park theme, where they just play it a little bit on the piano. It's like mm-hmm. ooh, a callback to that melody, right? It's like yeah. nah, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jam out, right? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. There it is. Well, that's going to do it. That's going to be a case closed. Boom. Shakalaka. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you want to find us, go to blackcasediaries.com. You can find all of our jams there, uh, previous episodes, and, uh, you know, jams and slams and all that cool stuff. Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, you got it. But we also want to mention that we are up for a podcast award. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you could nominate us for that. Yeah, we would appreciate it. Just go to our Twitter. We'll have a a link that you can follow. Mm -hmm. Um, We would really appreciate that. Or maybe on the website, too. And the website as well, yeah. I mean, anywhere. Yeah. Blackcasediaries.com. I'll say it one more time. That's it. Thank you so much again. See you next week. Bye. Bye. That's all, folks. That's my line. Step aside, babe. Let a star do this. That's all! That's all, folks! Can I go home now?